I don't believe I've ever had French champagne before. Oh, actually, all champagne is French. It's named after the region. Otherwise, it's sparkling white wine. Americans, of course, don't recognize the convention, so it becomes that thing of calling all of their sparkling white champagne, even though by definition they're not. Ah, uh, yes. It's a lot like Star Trek, the next generation. In many ways, it's superior, but will never be as recognized as the original. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wayne's World podcast, where we <laughs> start every episode with a Wayne's every World week. clip. Every uh, week. That's a great clip. Yeah. Uh, I like that clip. I'm uh, glad you reminded me of it. You know who loves uh, Star Trek, Kelly? Uh, us? Yes, but also... William Shatner? Quentin Tarantino. Oh, but yeah. But more on him later. Totally. Uh, Kelly, you think we'll ever visit other planets in space? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, other, lots of other planets. Like, yeah. just popping yeah, yeah. around the galaxy? I think it's probably... Think? I think it's probably a uh, hundred or so years away. Think but we'll as... still be around in a hundred years? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> dig into the real deep, important stuff on this podcast. I, movies and I feel like that's the wrong... <laughs> Place Let's start over. <laughs> Play that clip again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll always have Star Trek. Uh, we are we, coming to you. We from, currently uh, have Star Trek. Yeah. yeah All we got it now. Us. But if we're not around anymore, we're not going to have us. it. Um, we're coming to you from uh, the Las Vegas Star Trek convention. Uh, yeah. Technically our hotel room, but yes. Yeah. Circa 2019. Yep. If you're listening to this in the future. mirror universe. Or, or the, the past. Or the past. A lot of time travel on Star Trek. Let me tell yeah, you. they're doing a lot of that nowadays. Time travel that Sometimes it's good. Yeah, it can be fun. Sometimes it's weird. It can be fun. Um, right. Kelly, what's your favorite thing you've seen in these days here That's a in great question. Las Vegas um, at this convention? The uh, Man, um, there were some really, you know, uh, I think my biggest thing is that uh, I'm, not an, I'm not a huge Star Trek Discovery fan. That's the current show. Right airing but seeing a lot of the people speak from the show on panels um mostly actors but there have been some other people also and it just kind of makes me appreciate it more oh yeah hearing them yeah. talk about it just so, knowing they can speak you know <laughs> it's a blessing but uh, anson mount did a a panel uh-huh. um who plays uh captain pike yeah. Uh, and yeah. he's my favorite Stud part muffin. of this new season. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. But uh, he just did a great panel. He's super interesting and fun. And anyways, yeah. Right on. I don't know. That's probably it. That's a boring answer. But no, no, there's a lot of fun things fun. about. I mean, I could go on forever. We could like do a whole Comic-Con, podcast about this the, uh, Like Comic-Con, the costumes have been great. Like fan costumes. Yeah, so I mean, Some I, of them are really I came incredible. to this last year and I kind of knew what I was getting into. You probably yeah. had a, an idea. Yeah. But today yeah. was your first day. Today was my first day. And let so, me tell you, tell as us. first days go, yeah, this one was good. <laughs> Are you <laughs> sure? This was a good first day. Yeah. It seemed a little pensive. No, it was fun. Got we, went, some, we went to two pools. Uh, multiple panels, two pools, saw a bunch of, uh, as we said, costumed fans. Yeah. Um, had some good foods, had some good drinks. It was yeah. a good day. Yeah, it was. Good day. It's just exhausting. Vegas is exhausting. Yeah, it's tough right being now. a fan, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting <laughs> going to see our favorite celebrities. Um, I was talking about Vegas just in general, but Bill Shatner, yeah. William Shatner on stage it was pretty funny. Who I think is one of the great entertainers of all time mm-hmm. was funny. He's kind of a dick, mm-hmm. but in a really great way, mm-hmm. in a really funny way. In the so way that, that every really old person is. Every old celebrity, uh, particularly yeah. like every old entertainer. I would say every no, no. What I was going to say is is uh, is uh, allowed to be 
Oh like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh every, yeah. Every pretty old person has earned their right to be just right. Kind of a little dismissive to I guess that's true. A silly young person asking a stupid question. Yeah. Because he is pretty dismissive to people, but in a not totally mean way, just Absolutely. In kind of a direct way. He's very right. direct. But he was pretty hilarious. He cracked some some good bits and he's eighty eight. Oh yeah. Man, that is so old. <laughs> well, it's fairly old considering eighty eight. It's, it's, it's Fairly old, considering that he is still running around the stage, and you know he's not. Yeah, like they have a couch for him, and he's not even sitting. Full of down. energy. He's just Full walking around. He's talking about all kinds of projects that he's got going on, and you're just like, holy shit. Maybe he knows that, like a shark, if you stop moving forward, you die. You ever thought about that? Uh, not until right now. Well, but I don't intend on thinking about it. Shout anymore. out to Scott Bean. Right now. <laughs> Scott Bean. We're talking sharks this episode. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. Uh, yeah. uh, well, we went to a, uh, a museum, a Picard museum. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was set up like a museum that would be set up in the future. Yeah. So it's sort in, of within. in universe Starfleet uh, museum. So it's, it, I kind of almost would have preferred just a regular museum of right. like Patrick okay. Stewart as Picard so that we could see all the old things from the lens of, the history of Star Trek, but it's actually right. the history of the character of Picard. Yes, within, as if he was a real, as if he were person. Real. Yeah, right. So that's which a to little, some fans, it's a little skewed. <laughs> he may be. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the question I want to ask you yeah. is: they had some pieces of uh, data, uh, his artwork, the android from the crew. <laughs> I wanted to know what well, you thought about it was, artwork. It was it was like an abstract cat. Which is Spot, his cat, obviously. And then a couple circles. And then ideas. a couple of dark circles. But the circles were real dark. They were very um, uh, ominous and uh, kind of scary. Almost. And a lot of A lot of uh, black and red. I mean, I'm sure you can program a computer to not do concentric circles. No. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> Computers do perfect circles. People do bad ones. Don't um, you know anything, he, Kelly? He did. <laughs> he did. He did a couple of circles offset. They were they yeah. were nice. I don't know. I have a picture of them. I but. thought Data's artwork looked like every uh, high school and middle school art exhibit that I've ever been. That's to. That's excellent. You're absolutely right. And I it, guess he was learning because he was, was, was trying to learn exactly what you see at a high school art fair uh, or whatever. Yes. You think C three PO and Star Wars could have done artwork? To the level of Data's artwork? No. Me neither. 3PO's. Um, Score one for Trek. Doesn't have as much going on. Under, well, he's just under a translator, you know? He's got a lot of appendages. Right. Right. That's I'm sure true. one is a paintbrush. That's true. One's got to be a paintbrush. <laughs> we should check on that. We'll, we'll research that for next week. Show me all your accessories. <laughs> Call in with any other questions that you'd like us to oh, research. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, okay, so we, we're Trek fans. We're here at the Trek convention, but uh, let's yeah. talk what we've seen uh, since last time we were. We were yeah, what, what do you? Well, I've seen quite a bit as normal for me, um, but uh, I've seen quite a few things since last time. Um, we'll pick a hundred of them and yep, let's talk about Lion those. King. Yeah, uh, what do you think? I loved it. Uh, I did too. It's the first one that they've redone that I've really loved, and I'm I'm fully aware and convinced that it's probably. Uh, just that I love the Lion King. Like yes. that was always That's it. my favorite. That's it. Um, so I don't think, you know, they reinvented the wheel or anything, but no. I thought they did a really good job retelling a story that's got some strong themes. I still prefer the original. I think that one always hit me kind of in the feels, but, uh, yeah, um, 
I went with a couple people and we all really, really dug it. Did you cry at all? I did not cry, but I, but I definitely had the feeling. I'm, you know, I'm a yeah. soulless, emotionalist. Uh, no, I know that's why tub I asked. Of, uh, yeah, skin yeah. at this point, but right, um, right. No, but I, I welled up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like yes. I was on the verge yes. a couple of times. Um, it's an emotional story. It. Uh, so I think the original, a lot of people would cry at because of the story. The, um, the uh, circle of life intro, which is yes identical, is so powerful. Boom. Yeah, that. I cried during that, not from the story elements of it, but the power of right. the music and the imagery. One of the best openings ever. The cinematography. I mean, obviously, the original being animation was still powerful, but when you saw it like this, where it is real, I don't care that it's not real animals. It is right. what you're seeing is real. So you are processing it as all of these animals are behaving this way. They are doing these things. Right. This, uh, you know, family of animals is, you know, the dynamic is there and you just see it as reality. Right. Uh, or I did anyways. And it was incredibly uh, powerful. Um, That's but the rest of the, I, I loved the whole thing. I loved the whole movie. Yeah. It, um, it, you know, I've talked to a couple of people, people about this. I'm not even talking about the songs, obviously all the classic Disney movies are musicals and yeah. there's a lot of songs that people like and even the newer stuff and Moana and all that stuff. But, um, the musical score, Mm-hmm. for lion king is like half the battle um yes. it, it's just really really emotionally charged powerful music yeah so when you put it to say that opening sequence where no one's speaking no one's you're just watching right. action right with music right it's like really and then that hard stamp you know with oh the very effective up, yes it's yes. really really like to me i know you'll agree with me on this lord of the rings Fellowship of the Ring and Lion King. Yeah, I'm on board. Probably the two strongest openings ever. Sure. Agree? I can I can, disagree. Wait, yeah, agree. Let me remember. Yeah, right, I got right. it. I remember exactly. I mean, I know how hard you how cried goes. watching Fellowship. Yeah, Lord um, of No, uh, lo- love Lion King, though. <laughs> Loved Lion King. Uh, thought it was great. Had a good time. Yes. Um, again, don't need remakes of all these, but I'm fine with them coming yeah, out. And I am, go too. See them and I am too. And I think this is the best one so far. Um, For sure. I definitely agree with that. Yep. Um, so I sorry fans will have to find something else to argue about <laughs> get, along, get along on this. no fights this time that we know of yeah um i saw hobbs and shaw a couple nights ago um mm. currently it has really high a really high audience score and a pretty high critic score and it's uh really garbage don't care I, yeah don't care i'm glad that you don't care i mean okay so what what sets this apart from let's say like when uh, Alita came out and you wanted to see it you didn't you didn't get a chance to see it right. when when it was out and I was kind of saying yeah go see it but what's the difference for you in Alita and this I know those are totally different movies yeah but I just mean they're both seemingly big dumb blockbusters right and uh, I don't know that I ever thought Alita was going to be a dumb blockbuster I didn't know if it was going to be for me the way I ended up enjoying okay, it right but. I've said this a million times, man, and I don't want to sound like the guy who's, you know, ran in everybody's parade, like you can't make a good studio picture, but yeah, Alita was something new. Yeah, it's got similar themes to things we've seen before. Right. It's rehashing right. different ideas, but right. it was something new, and it looked cool, and I was like, oh, I'm interested in this. And Hobbs and Shaw is a spinoff of a series that's going on like 10 movies now. You know what I mean? It's like it, already it was, worn out. 
different. Yeah. Its and yeah. and it's like it's not even that they're not good. Like I'm I mean, I haven't seen it, but it, it you know, it's just that sort of oversaturation endless. We're already in that with Marvel. I love Star Wars, but we're gonna get that with Star Wars. You know, we're yeah. I just think too much of it. You know, you don't want Christmas every day when you're a kid right, or it right. won't mean anything, right? right and right. that's kind of where we're at. And I also know that now it's endless content anyway and everybody's competing with everything. So they're yeah. trying to push as much out as they can. Um, but yeah, I just don't, well, don't really care. I mean, but how did you feel about some of Dwayne Johnson's recent movies like uh, Rampage? And um, I didn't see are, Rampage. Didn't I, li- see I actually oh, okay. like Skyscraper. Um, yeah, I was going to say I really you know, like that I'm, too. I'm not maybe going to watch it ever again but but right, i but right. i enjoyed it and you know it's just die hard kind of reworked with a fire right. and all this other stuff but but i i, I like rampage that, yeah. yeah better than the idea of this i mean i would rather see jumanji too with them uh, that's coming out really than yeah. than you know hobbs and shaw well, three, this, hobbs and shaw this four. to me even though yes it has that uh fast and the furious dna um it was essentially a spy movie you know uh, okay. Jason Statham plays a British spy and, uh, wait a minute. So Jason Statham is not the same character yeah. that he was in Fast he and Furious because he was a fucking criminal in um, Fast and the Furious. I don't really remember the, everybody who's a bad guy in Fast and, and the Furious is on the team in the next movie. Have you noticed that? Jason, like- Jason Statham, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, broke, broke away from, uh, from his, kind of roots as a spy and maybe did some shit. I don't know. These are okay. hard to keep track of, but yeah. the point is him. He was and his, also the transporter. This is the second yeah, car yeah. series. Him. Well, Italian job. Also. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Statham loves cars. There's actually, I don't care about saying things that happen in this movie. Um, right. There's a, there's a moment Spoiler in alert. his, in his, uh, in his garage where there's a mini, a classic mini, and okay. uh, there's a throwaway line. Yeah, that's for a job in Italy I have coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cute. Which, of course, oh, the movie God. that he was in didn't take place in Italy. It was in L.A. It was the Italian job in L.A. Italian job never got a sequel, right? No, no. It, were there rumors that there was going to be or there was a sequel at some um, point? I think there probably was some talk of that. I don't remember. I, I, don't, I may be making this up, man. But I, you know how there was this whole internet movement <laughs> Where all these people got convinced that they're, in addition to Kazam with Shaq, sure, there's also a Shazam. Shazam, Shazam existed. Have with, we talked uh, about this on Pod? No, nah, probably not. But I think it's pretty well <laughs> known. It's the same Sinbad. as the Bernstein Bears and the Berenstein. Where people bears. start to think there's more than one. Well, that they have absolute memory of it incorrectly. It's uh, not that they think there's two. It's just that they right, right, um, and then people start. It's like that dress thing, which color is this? And everybody's yeah. arguing like very similar. But anyway, yeah, yeah there was yeah. um there, there were I feel like there was a whole thing where a lot of people were like, is there are there too many are there two Italian job movies? And there never were. Like there never was a sequel. No. I've had no, multiple people be like, Yeah, wasn't with, there like a Spanish job or something? It's like, no, I don't I don't oh, think there was there, a second. There, I think there was some talk of, yeah, another location, another country. Maybe that just caught fire and everybody but thought. They never made it. 
Yeah. I don't know. Right. It doesn't okay. matter. Okay. That's that's one of the guilty pleasure movies from yeah, the 2000s sure. where you're just like, yeah, this is fun, but it's dumb. Right. Uh, anyways, Hobbs and Shaw, I <laughs> uh, I appreciate uh, a lot of the comedy in it, and, and one day you will see it, and you'll appreciate some of, like, there's some really good cameos and some fun stuff in it. Right. Um, there's some very meta stuff in it. They don't take it seriously. So in that way, I like all of it. But I think as a film – when you watch Skyscraper, even though it's dumb and it's got all this CGI and you watch Rampage or you watch any of his movies, pretty much even Jumanji, there's still a competence to the yeah. uh, the technical aspects of it. Right. You have top-notch uh, stunts, top-notch you know, uh, 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 aerial stuff. You have right. top-notch fighting, top-notch everything. This feels very subpar. All of those things feel really silly. So I'm not I'm not sure I can recommend it, um, but well, we saw some better stuff this week for sure. Um, like well, this one I, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's save this for okay. a minute. But uh, did you see Art of Self Defense? I did because I was going to try to go see that, and I, I haven't yet. Yeah, highly recommend it. Um, it's a small movie, very dark and dry. Jesse Eisenberg, and, but uh, excellent, um, excellent story. Uh, well, yeah, I would say. Pretty good story, but excellently executed story. Um, and uh, just one of those kind of d- slightly different things that right. don't come out very often. Right. So can't can't recommend that enough. Um, well, I guess. saw it at the Alamo, the new Alamo draft. Oh, yeah. How was that? What was that experience? Like? Um, have you been yet? You haven't been? I mean, I've been to Alamo draft. Oh, house, just but not, not this not new LA. one. Yeah. So uh, here's my quick take on it. Um, I was really worried about it. Alamo draft house is a chain of theaters um, that started in Austin, I believe. And but it has grown quite a bit and they're all right. over the country now. Right. But Alamo draft house is known for a couple of things. The culture of um being very strict about people talking or being on their phones during the movie. They right. will throw you out. They're extremely into the quality of the presentation as I am and you are and most movie people are, but a lot of random people that have never been to an Alamo are probably going to find it a little off-putting. And then uh, it's called Draft House because they're a big uh, beer tap type place with a full kitchen and they actually have servers uh, throughout the movie yeah. that will bring you food and drinks throughout the movie. So it's a little bit of a bizarre experience. Um, it's kind of distracting and I've talked shit on it before because of how distracting it is. Right. And I still stand by all that. But the fact is this new one in LA, uh, has small screens, which is my least favorite thing about a movie theater. Oh, but <clears throat> so they're small, but Big a small screen is all relative. Like we're close to this TV in this hotel room right, right now. It feels huge. If you're close to the screen, yeah, yeah. it doesn't right. matter. In this case, they've built them in such a way that there's not many seats. They are very comfortable. You're close enough to the screen that it feels significantly bigger than it is. It's kind of like your own mini. And they're running 4K projection, at least on the screen I saw. And what that means is that on a small screen with 4K, it just feels so much denser. The material is so much denser and tightly packed in that space that it just looks so good. It was some of the best projection I've ever seen. Sharp, bright, vivid, more than anything I've seen in a long time. And so I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, They also are one of the last or only theaters in the country that are kind of mandating having at least one 35 millimeter projector on site. So they have one one 35 house uh, or screen. Right. Um, But yeah, anyways, really great. Definitely the way to watch Karate. Check it out. For sure. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, you saw, uh, I see on your list here, The Good yeah. Time Girls, which I had recommended. You in short did film. tell me about that, and I watched it, and it's great. Um, you found I, it on YouTube? I can't wait. I think it was on YouTube and Vimeo. I think I watched okay. it on Vimeo, but um, yeah. it's uh, it's really a cool little short, and if they make a, a feature with all those women, uh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, they're just yeah. badass. Yeah, I'm excited for that one, too. I'm interested to see what, what they do with that one. Right. Um, I found The Great Hack on Net. Well, a lot of people found it, but uh, on on Netflix, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was Netflix. Yeah, I, it's a Netflix original. I, I, we, we, didn't, we haven't even gotten through all of it, but I, I was so into like the first hour. I'm going to sit back on the couch that here I ended and up just watching. hold oh, my get mic. Comfortable. Yeah, get comfortable. I know you're sitting up, right? Um, no, don't don't take those off. Um, <laughs> no, uh that I that I like I think I texted you and a couple people like check this out. Yeah. Um it's really interesting man and not to get like super political or anything but just in terms of kind of finding out and discovering what's been done, what the strategies are to sway people online. It is for very eye opening. Very uh terrifying. I can't recommend people I mean it is not necessarily enjoyable to see this story but, but you it is. should see it incredibly interesting you should be aware of how you can be manipulated like we all should whether you're right or yeah. left or wherever you're leaning and stuff i wonder like, how people will come I, I wonder how the people that um because it's about a very specific targeting of a very specific demographic in this country yeah uh, i mean within tens of thousands of people and uh I wonder what they would say. Here's how it's going to go. They're not listening to this. Yeah, I was going to say. just in general, I wonder what they would say to this concept. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But the way it's going to go is everyone who's already worried about this <laughs> is going to watch that documentary. Yeah. Be like, oh my God. And just and, like and we're all in our bubbles any anyway, change. which is yeah. part of the problem. Right. Everyone who would take, who probably needs to see it will not ever find it or watch yeah, exactly. it and it won't pop up on their recommended for you no, because everything's not. tracking everything now exactly. and it's like they're not going to want to see the great hack but check out the great hack it really is terrifying and and good and totally crazy uh story it's basically the the quick of it is uh it's the story of the cambridge analytica yes. s- kind of scandal uh, relating to the Trump election. And also and, uh, Brexit. And Brexit, yeah, exactly. Right. They're equally, even though Brexit is a little bit less, there's a little bit less evidence and kind of right background with it, but it it's still there and it's, uh, it's crazy. But based on the interviews and things that are in there, it's just these very clear agendas of yeah. here's how we're going to sway yeah. whoever we want to sway. With no real uh, moral implications to it at exactly. all. Until yeah. people started going, wait, how can you possibly do this? Very heartless and, then, and brainless. And Not then, even, it doesn't even seem evilly motivated. Like, let's say you wanted no. to like take over something. It's more like, hey, how cool would it be if we could do this? Right. It's almost like a completely detached, let's yes. run an experiment. Well, and sociopathic. They just yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's the perfect way. It, to put is. it. because it is. there's there's no humanity to it, and let's just jump in with these guys or it's, those guys. It's clear it that a, an enormous amount of very powerful people are sociopaths to a dangerous degree. So it's it's it, yeah. Watch Scary. this, everybody. Scary but cool. The great well, hack on Netflix. My favorite thing that I saw, and maybe maybe you'll agree with me on this. Um, yeah. And my favorite thing I've seen in a long time was Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time. Yeah, oh, so good. Um, really, really dug it. We saw it. We saw it together, together yeah. the first time, and I've seen it again, again since. And I plan on seeing it Monday morning again. Yeah, yeah. I actually caught more the second time through. I liked it even more. Um, the audience was not as good. Um, it's hard to beat like being up in Hollywood 
uh, on an opening night. Yeah, we were there Friday night, Cinerama Dome, 70 millimeter film print. Uh, it's it fucking was awesome. Incredibly crowded. It was also a very hot day in LA. And, uh, you know, probably into the 90s that day, and the yeah. theater never got cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was quite uncomfortable, uh, but it was just interesting because it's also a movie about the summer in L.A. Right. And a lot of them are hot in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it kind of fit. It did kind of fit. And there's even some lines of dialogue about it. Uh, so it felt very interesting. Um, well, and I, I want to yeah. talk fully about this, so I'm just throwing out the spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to talk about it. But yeah, um, yeah. there's a couple things I really dug that don't really matter, but I really dug. I dug how much time takes place in cars in this oh, movie. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it, and I was like, because LA, it's the car city, and you have to have a car, and so much of it is around cars. Well, the opening credits are just in a car. You know what I mean? It's yep. from backing out of the car, yep. driving somewhere, like all the way to parking. And it's like, there's so many scenes that take place in the car and around cars in the movie. And that was just something that I really, really dug. Um, I don't know. This is going to sound kind of pretentious, but um, one of the things I also really liked when you're picking up and getting so many of the references because you do like the movie lore and movie mythology and you're interested in all that stuff. Yes. Like, like I don't know for you, you know, when I'm seeing great escape clips, you know yeah. what I mean? And they've put in Leonardo DiCaprio to Steve McQueen's right. And, and it's everything I can do not to start doing the dialogue you right. know, to the person next to me, right. to like show them, Oh, I know all these lines, yeah. you know, which is stupid, but I was so invested and, and excited by you're, that. You're the, target of exactly. this movie this was the movie for and me you're a little young to have that significant of a connection to the great escape um but you you have that connection because of your love of film and your right history of studying film uh, i have seen the great escape a few times and i definitely watched it in film classes and whatever and we talked about it but um but you yeah that's i mean you're hitting it it is the the people that he made this movie for including himself uh had this reaction right and if you didn't have this reaction that's okay the movie just wasn't for you but it's just so spot on if you do love that old hollywood the old yeah. myths and things it, you know the, the way they got the uh tv spots for the old westerns oh yeah it, i mean i again this is just stuff i pulled on youtube way back because i'm a steve mcqueen fan but yeah. um his series dead or alive mm -hmm. which i'm not saying that's what leonardo dicaprio was based on but a lot of you know there's a lot yeah, of things he took from everybody loose, yeah put him into a fictional yeah. character his sort of turning around to the camera and hearing the gunshot and then like showing the time. That's exactly how those ads were. Yeah. And that was a great platform for, you know, having this set in 69 and having this set around the Manson stuff and like yeah. this kind of loss of innocence in Hollywood was such a good choice, I feel like, because it really was the old versus new thing. I mean, that hippie movement, which was changing all of culture, but playing out in Hollywood where you had the old school who had done the wet Westerns the way they, they were done. And that's such a mythology of America. And that's who we are. And our heroes wear white hats and our villains wear black hats. Yeah. And then having this whole idea of, Hey, go to Italy for this aging star, Leonardo DiCaprio be in the spaghetti Westerns, which totally turned that on its head. Yeah. And it was anti-heroes and everything was kind of shades of gray. And that's happening along with hippies coming in and challenging traditional views. Yeah. It just it all just worked played off of each other so well and to have it play Leo's out character just feeling truly lost I mean through all of that feeling like he doesn't have a place in any of this 
but then kind of finding it. Um, it's it's a very, very satisfying movie. Uh, even though at the end, and I told you this when we saw it, I was like, I could have watched another hour of that. Oh, yeah. It was two Easy. hours and 45 minutes, and it felt like an hour and 45 minutes. I really right. didn't know where we were at. I never looked at a watch. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. and Quentin Tarantino at, at a, this point really is the only guy. I totally yeah. agree with you. But he's the only guy that can do a 40-minute scene that's all dialogue <laughs> that you will sit through. Not just because the dialogue's strong, but you know there will be a pay. You trust him to give you the payoff. Yep. Yep. You're like, this really is going to come back around, if not in this scene later. Yep. And we're going to get somewhere, and it's going to be. Tarantino's payoffs. That's that's what this is. They're they're like no others, and I, and I also love that like you know he's on the record as such a spaghetti western fan. Like if you ask Tarantino his favorite movies, yeah. he's going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly as his favorite, and then his second favorite is Rio Bravo, and that okay. is like considered the great spaghetti western, right? And then one of the great traditional westerns with John right. Wayne, right? And, you know, totally different, but <laughs> having his main character be like. Nobody watches a fucking spaghetti western movie. They're they're <laughs> shitty. They're garbage. You know, right, and like, right. and even though knowing that Tarantino loves these, it was just kind of cool to have him playing off of that. Yes. You know how he feels, but he's also like very aware of this different movement and the change and how people were going to feel. I just thought the whole western mythology thing was a great platform to use for Hollywood in this kind of changing of the guard. Yeah, you know, with Sharon Tate coming. It's in just an incredibly. Uh, meticulously crafted movie probably more than uh, most of his movies yeah uh, I agree. I mean, even great ones like inglorious bastards that you go back and you're just like oh this is great um it it just feels like this is so much uh more dense i was saying that earlier it's just so dense right right and in order to write that amount of detail and direct that amount of detail you have to be doing this for years and and you got to really years love it. and and be obsessed with all the yeah it just but, I don't you know what this what this different than like you know okay Quentin Tarantino spent ten years writing Inglorious Bastards and he puts all this time in all his movies sure yeah but this to me was very clear that this is his labor of a lifetime of love right this yep. wasn't just developing the movie this was like Quentin Tarantino when he was seven yeah falling in love with movies and wanting yep. to hear every story of Bruce Lee on a back lot. Right. Talking about who we would fight, you know, or, right. or fighting a stuntman or whatever it was. Um, Brad Pitt still fucking got it. Oh, God, he's great. That dude. He's so fun and funny. Was and, awesome in this. And just, he's so comforting. <laughs> he really is. Everything, I mean, his character in this. Thank God we still got him. Even though he's got, you know, some weird background in this movie that we don't know about, he's just, his character is so comforting. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. To to Leo, he's uh, the, just the greatest friend. That's their, his last bromance, line in the movie. Their bromance I was try. one of the all time great bromances. I try. It, it really is heartwarming. Like you watch them and it's, you're just like, yep. this friend group is awesome. Like yeah. <laughs> even when they're kind of miserable, you know, it's like, hey, you want to come watch my my episode of my TV show? I bought a six pack. Sure of beer. will. Let's order some I pizza. Got, I got some beer. Just like they're they're it's it's really sweet, man. Yep. Um, amongst all the Love violence it. and everything else, it was really really sweet. Yes. Um, one thing that's kind of strange about this movie, and this doesn't really matter, but um. Um, you know, this was uh, almost uh, uh, Burt Reynolds' last movie. Right. The role that Bruce Stern plays was written for uh, for uh, Burt Reynolds, and it, he even talked to Tarantino, and they did some, I, I believe, some 
uh, rehearsals and things like that. Yeah. But it was also Luke Perry's uh, final movie. Yeah. And both Unexpected Deaths, yeah. well, you know, Burt Reynolds was older, but um, but certainly they were planning on being in the movies. And it's just kind of weird that like two different people kind of wraps up their ages. career, even yeah. though Burt Reynolds didn't make it into it, but a character that was meant for him essentially. Yeah. And both smaller roles, but yeah, you know, significant. Totally. So, um, but Bruce Stern did a great job. I mean, that's great. Um, did we talk about, somebody was telling me recently, um, so I'm, I'm stealing this from someone else, but how Tarantino's career now kind of plays out in three chapters. And the first chapter is kind of his gangster and, sort of reworking one genre mm -hmm. type of movies. And then his second one is taking like B movies like Kill Bill, you know, Kung Fu and like um, the Grindhouse stuff and elevating it to high art, kind of like a Steven Spielberg did with Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he was like, I want to take the old movie serials, mm -hmm. make them top-notch films. And the third phase has been Tarantino basically expressing maybe not his outrage, but like our outrage at a, as a society at our own history. Yeah. So I, it's a few revision, revisionist, um, yeah, historical. And it's like what we wish had gone down. Like in Glorious Bastards, we I don't know how hatefully it would. Yeah, that's the that. one that that's kind of breaks kind of out of a this. Weird one, yeah. But if you take Inglorious Bastards, you take Django Unchained, yep. where the slave and this one, yeah. victorious, and you take this one where the Manson murders yep. don't go through. Yeah. And spoiler alert, but it's still got the weight of the tragedy, and that's what I thought was so amazing about the ending of this is yeah. they avert disaster but it feels like they didn't yeah and when they're talking like the last scene where sharon tate is meeting our hero yes and they're oh my god that's so scary and then they just kind of dismiss it yeah and if it had only not been a part of their lives this ultimate tragedy but in that in that moment you you aren't thinking about this false reality you're thinking about right. the reality exactly. and that it, whole last two minutes exactly all you're thinking about all, is this terrible all, fucking it. thing that that's happened it. And just uh, ended these lives. It's an, it's oh, an incredible dude. ending. Uh, and I kind of, yeah, it ends kind of abruptly, sort of. I mean, even though yeah. it doesn't, but it kind of does. And <laughs> you just have so many feelings at the end. So It's also got the greatest moment of all time in a film, in my opinion, which is the flamethrower. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> the a, ending that of this I, movie with Leo and that is something I did not see coming. You it talk about payoffs. so satisfying. Oh, so oh my God. Because you're questioning his character. Well, is he going to do that? Is he, <laughs> is he going to fight back? Is he running inside? What's going on? His running away was f a funny enough moment. Because it it's directed as if he's running away in fear. And he is. Yep. But he's got the balls to get the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that last moment. Yeah, yeah. torched them. Really, really good. Uh, oh, it was Loved really, it. really good. Yeah, but great, great flick, man, all around. Yeah. Um, two things I wanted to ask you. Yeah. On a lot of the marquees is the movie Three in the Attic. Had you ever heard of that movie? No, definitely not. It's a very, like, 60s movie, sort of swinging 60s movie, but it's yeah. this guy literally that goes up to this attic for rendezvous with, like, three different women. Cool. And he ends up getting <laughs> kind of exhausted. But it was just funny. Like, again, stuff like that would pop out. It'd be like, that's such a random one for Quentin Tarantino to pick. And I wondered, well, is that like something he likes or did he just know those were on? That was like the big movie at the theater, which he also could easily have known. That probably that was more Ed. He probably just went through the history and went, oh, I like that one that was out. Or he could have had some more detailed, uh, you know, uh, history of what 
was on what billboards on Sunset right. or on true. Hollywood. Who Wouldn't knows? Have put it Who knows him. how much detail he's actually got? Well, the uh, the only other thing I wanted to really say, unless you got anything else, is um, <laughs> when I was back in North Carolina uh, living in my mom's house, uh, the uh, she had T- uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, mm-hmm. and I watched a lot of older stuff. I had never even heard of, um, I can't remember the character's name now, but Dean Martin starred in four spy comedies okay they're, they're very much like in like flint they were kind of right. james bond spinoffs which happened a lot in the 60s right and early 70s and wrecking crew was the last one he did and right that's the one sharon tate is in right and weirdly i they happened to run all of them i recorded all of them watched all of them cool and not thinking about this movie at all yeah and then that was probably like eight months ago Huh. You know what I mean? Like so when I saw this, very so fresh, weird, not knowing about him at all, having seen it. And that's the movie she stops at the marquee in Westwood, goes mm-hmm. into where she plays the klutz. Play the klutz. It's kind of cool that I kind of just seen oh, that movie. That's great. That was a that's nice not little, one that I've seen. So that was, that's uh, not an incredible flick or anything. But, but that's the whole thing about this movie. It is a movie of references. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't get the references, you might still enjoy it, but it's still really fun. not going to be. I don't know. Won't be as rich. Yeah, won't be as rich. Imagine not knowing who Hitler was and watching Inglorious Bastards. You wouldn't kind of get it, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a fair point. You know, it's literally made for knowing who that is and what it represents. We both loved it. High marks, obviously, from us. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Um, it again. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing listening right now? We just ruined everything. Yeah, uh, you fucked up. If you have, go back, check it out. Um, I definitely want to see it one more time if I can. Yeah. Um, so um, anyway. well that's great uh, we could talk about some news shit um, Avengers finally passed Avatar Avengers Ed game passed Avatar in worldwide box office so they're very close still but uh, a, few, I don't, a few million more I don't Ed really game. care uh, as you know about uh, the, the kind of the Marvel movement I respect right. it but it's not my thing but I'm, I was actually kind of stoked that uh, or just not stoked I don't it doesn't really matter but I, I was it seems more right that something to me that is more culturally culturally relevant yeah like the marvel thing yeah is now on top rather than avatar yes i just don't feel like it the fact that avatar was number one and number one by a landslide by nearly a billion dollars at some point right right. more than the number two uh never quite made sense and it felt like someone had like cooked the books or something yeah um but uh but yeah no now it's number one whatever um what do you make of this whole bond 25 thing uh because the um, the internet went crazy over this uh, <laughs> yeah. casting uh, thing, but really, it's nothing. It's the internet the treated th- them saying that hey, our Bond, our James Bond character, will be retired at the beginning of this movie. Obviously, he'll come back into action, and we right. will have a different 007, someone right. with that number. She is a woman, and she is African American. The fact that the internet treated that. Like as they a had recast Bond, recasting of him in the movie, as if he not only were recast, but that he would be directly passing the franchise off right. to this person. Right. Uh, no, the next Bond, whoever that ends up being, has not been cast yet, and probably won't be cast for a while. I'm sure they're right. They've got right. thoughts and they're, they're having meetings, but they're trying to finish this one and and yeah, give it a good send off. So, um, the 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 uh, woman's name, the actor's name is Lashana Lynch. I think I got that right. She was in. Wonder Woman. She played uh, yeah. the uh, best friend of Carol Danvers. Oh, wait, um, Captain Marvel. 
What did I just say? Wonder Woman. Yes, you know what I meant. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. All those uh, women movies. They all blend <laughs> yeah, together. you said it, not me. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I guess I did make the mistake first. Uh, but yes, mistake. yes, yes. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Carol Danvers in uh, in Captain Marvel really proved how stupid uh, uh, people are. Um, just so many because because yeah. the you know the outrage. First of all, people shouldn't get so upset. But if your point of view is just that, hey, Bond's a man, sort of the womanizing is part of his character. It's central to who he is. And like, I get that. And I and I don't disagree with that. But if you can't even differentiate what your argument is, like right. you can't even tell. Like, if Do you know man, what you're yelling yeah, about, then, then it's another because level. Because you're currently not even yelling about the thing. You're yelling about right. something that's not oh, happened. So I'm sidetracking yeah. real quick. But speaking yeah, of this, it. bringing this up, I want to go back to Hobbs and Shaw real quick because <laughs> – I want Idris Elba to be used. I feel like he's so Better. good, and I want him to be used in something that's great for him. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw is full of like really hokey writing and directing, um, and it it feels like a movie without a director. That that just came to me, but that literally wow, is what the movie feels like. It feels like in any scene with Dwayne Johnson and uh, Jason Statham, they just directed themselves. They did whatever they wanted. Uh, they brought in friends to do bit parts uh, and maybe directed them. And then it feels like uh, then it feels like Idris Elba uh, was left to his own devices to be a serious villain. And he does a good job because he's by far the best actor in that movie. Um, but like you say, it's just it's it's like beneath him. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's not. I'm sure he made a ton of money and, and he's so he's good in it. He plays an excellent badass um, and he right. is very right. badass in it, but at the same time, yeah, like, what is he doing? Right, right. <laughs> I don't well, get, I don't get it. Fair anyway, I like him. I'm a fan. I want to see him in good stuff. Um, let's see. So, uh, this is just a couple of fun things, real quick. Um, did you watch the breakdown of the Rise of Skywalker trailer on Red yet. Letter Media? I haven't yet. Holy shit! I'm going to. You gotta watch that. Those guys at Red Letter Media are just—they're the best. So on point. Oh man, I love it. There Anyways. hasn't been a movie that I liked as much as their critiques in a while, <laughs> and that's that's bad. I don't want to be the guy yeah. that likes that better. But they're, they're just their really critiques good are better amazing. than most movies. So funny. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, who uh, Orville, which we love. I think we love. I love it. Um, is moving to Hulu. I love it too. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. what do you make of that? It's moving to Hulu. Uh, that's fine. As opposed with to Fox, me, uh, that's okay as long as they let them keep doing what for, they're doing for and what they want to do. Percent of people that watch it, it doesn't mean anything because we right. watch it on Hulu anyways. Right. A lot of people that DVR'd it from Fox over like you know a broadcast antenna or something. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. You don't right. get it automatically. Right. Uh, but uh, well, we don't I, care about those people here on. This we podcast. don't. It's, this is not for you. Um, <laughs> Orville is my favorite current Star Trek. Just for the record, the uh, yeah, and it's that's one hundred percent fair. I do want you to finish Discovery season two because yeah. I think by the end, working on it, they've got enough plot points that are interesting that you'll go, oh wow, where is this going? And then I mean, there's a lot of spoilers out already for you about what's going on with uh, Discovery, but. Um, I just think uh, yeah. I think it could be great. I can't read, um, so that helps me not to. So we had a lot of really great trailers oh, in the last man. few weeks. What, yeah, what a week. Um, I mean, how do yeah. we even, where do we even start? Top Gun. Um, but I think we start with Top Gun because, <laughs> yeah, holy Gun. shit, um, I love that trailer so much. 
yeah, I think is, it's outstanding. There's another trailer. There's another movie that I, I didn't ask for, and I, I've been saying the whole time, I'm like, I don't, I don't want this. And very much like the Joker movie, yep. where I was yep. just like, why are yep. we doing this? Yep. But then they you see it. nailed you the trailers on both of these to the degree that you're just like, oh, fuck. I guess I was like, wrong. Yeah, like, this does look awesome. <laughs> like, okay. I, don't, I don't know. I want to so be skeptical. I have but. some notes here about why it's so great. Now, firstly... It's directed by Joseph Kozin- Kozinski, um, who did Tron Legacy. Then he did Oblivion. Then he did Only the Brave. Only the Brave. Uh, okay. Only the Brave is a, an amazing movie. It's like my sister's favorite movie. I've seen Only the Brave a few times. It's the firefighters. Uh, I've movie, seen that the, one. Uh, Hot Shots uh, in Arizona that died. Right. Um, and I think with Miles Teller. Yep. I think that movie was maybe the best movie uh, of the year that year. Uh, wow. And it wasn't nominated for anything. My um, it was, I forget, it might have been nominated for something, but not any major awards. Um, Oblivion, when it came out, and I think still to this day, is one of the best looking sci-fi movies ever made. Um, I like Oblivion more think, than most. I think I think the story of Oblivion is kind of ho-hum. Right. Um, uh, yeah, but I think the bottom line is, this guy, oh, and Tron Legacy, which was his first movie and that's been a while um but i think that equally was so ahead of its time and its visuals uh it was just a st- i think it was a stunning stunning movie but again kind of weak story right, kind right. of weak uh you know main characters not really doing yeah. much the, yeah. the kid wasn't that interesting but the bottom line with all of that is that if you have something like top gun where you have the most like charismatic, fun, you know, action guy yeah. in film carrying it just like he did with Oblivion. Um, it's it's gonna look as good as Top Gun could ever look. I don't think there are many better visual directors than this guy. Uh, and uh, I can't wait. Uh, so that's one thing. Sorry. Another another reason it's gonna be great is Jennifer Connelly. Um, oh, man. She was so I did I did download the trailer and frame by frame it. Uh, she's in the trailer for seventeen frames, <laughs> which is less about three quarters of a second. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And looks great. I was just like, oh my god, she looks great. Wow, she's on there so quick. It's not even a second. Not even like a little scene with her or anything. But she spins around and. And uh, so she seems to be maybe the love interest. Yeah, I think so. Speaking um, of, yeah, of John looking Hamm. great, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah there's a bunch. Just great. Speaking just great. of looking great, it, um, was there any volleyball in this trailer? Um, there was football. football. Okay. I, I think, thought there was I a think sport there's a shirtless okay. yeah. Navy man yep. uh, that catches a football. They got to be in blue jeans and shirtless. I that's think how that's happens. what I saw. Baby um, oil all over those chests. Um, great trailer. And... Uh, I, I have to ask because another trailer we saw recently was The Rise of Skywalker. Have you seen the mashup between the two? No. No. Oh my God. <laughs> no. I just I pictured not. for a second the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker trailer. It's Ray. She's yep. in the desert. Here comes the There's plane. There's a thing yep. coming out yeah. of it. Right. Picture the beginning of the Top Gun trailer. Here comes the plane in the across desert, the right desert. over the so right above the Im- ground. You, you can imagine yeah. the mashup, and okay. it is flawless. <laughs> it is flawless. So please watch that <laughs> after this. Funnier to me than it should have been, uh, but yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, and you see my note that uh, that uh, the uh, the t- writing team on Top Gun. Yeah, that's because, crazy because it it is it is a foregone conclusion that we 
in all the hype of all of these new projects, we are not spending enough time looking at who's actually writing these upcoming movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I have some thoughts on Story. that on Rise of Skywalker in a minute. Um, but uh, the writing credits of collectively of the group of people that are uh, that are writing Top Gun Maverick uh, include uh, movies like Bloodfather, The Town. Uh, the TV show Counterpart, The Jungle Book, Saved, American Hustle, um, and then you've got Chris McQuarrie, Love all the mission movies, yeah. and you're just like, oh my god, those are all so great, um, right? So solid. I just I have a lot of faith that it's going to be an outstanding film, um, which I do not feel about a lot of other upcoming things like Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I have no faith left, but I'm excited. I'm excited. So we'll yeah, see. I hear you. Uh, a trailer that I did not like. Uh, yeah, tell me. Uh, to the degree that I liked this one, that I thought I would was right. the Irishman. Oh, and I actually haven't watched that trailer yet. Yeah, I. Uh, it's not that it's a bad trailer. It's just I was ready for it to be amazing. Yeah, and it's eh, sorry. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, um, so that's another one. Next up, I would say would be the Picard trailer. I feel like we need right. to talk about yeah, it. We are Star currently Trek at the Star Trek convention. Got to talk about Even it. Even though it's late, it's 11 p.m. We were at the pool a lot today. It's 115 during the day, and I'm just fried. Yep. Um, trying like to Vulcan. put myself to sleep with some scotch. Feels like Vulcan. We're trying to stay hydrated. It's just a whole scene here. It's tough in the first <laughs> world. Tough, yeah. tough out here in a hotel in Vegas. In the hotel in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Was I complaining? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm with you though. Okay. It saps your energy. Okay. Um, but uh, but we had the Picard trailer come out in the last couple of weeks and, or at Comic-Con a couple of weeks ago. And um, man, I have thoughts on it. I am so struggling with it. Um, I've seen it play at this convention a million times. They played it again today at the Picard panel they had with Jonathan Frakes. And um, I think uh, I, I, I have so many notes here. I don't even know where to begin. But I think the uh, I think, start start at the line you see that you that, wrote. I'm so worried. <laughs> I'm so at the I'm at sorry, the beginning. Just, yeah, <laughs> so intense. Um, I'm no, so okay. worried. It's all based in present day visuals. So that's that's my well, my thought of that. This is essentially Picard in the Discovery universe, and I right I've right. Uh, which I've, we've I've kind of worried about that because. Um, you know, the Picard panel today though, gave me a little bit of relief, which is that uh, Jonathan Frakes, who has directed both now, he's yeah. pretty intimately familiar with both. He said, he said, uh, Discovery's got its own thing. It's cinematic. It's uh, direct to shock or something along those lines. Yeah. Like he's like, like the I'm, JJ I'm directing movies. to directing to action, excitement, directing excitement. to shock. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, but this is not that kind of show. And right there, I was like, okay, well, that's a pretty bold blanket statement. If that's really the case with the tone of the whole show, then I'm on board because I don't think it needs to be an action show. I'm just, I'm just super disappointed that the trailer shows so much action. It didn't need and the and what it does show of action is like really dumb. There's like yeah, shots of a convention center. It's like were they doing that for the Comic Con? It's like a exterior of a convention center, which is clearly supposed to be like Starfleet yeah. Command or something. Yeah. But it, Some it's a it's a stupid shot. I there's a lot of things like that where I'm like, okay, are are we getting like a really budget show now? Um, I'm sure that they're gonna have a big budget, but it just is striking me really off. Um, but one of the biggest things is the aesthetic of this 
trailer so far is largely based in, okay, he's at his vineyard. Right. And then he's on some ships and some shit. He's in an office, and the office doesn't feel very futuristic. It feels very, like, 2019. Right. And then you've got some shots on a ship that feels like a cargo ship. It feels very, like, Star Wars, you know, like, uh, <laughs> smuggler ship. It the, the, All of that just felt so weird to me. I was like, if you're trying to convince us that you are doing service to us as TNG yeah. fans, this is not the way to do it. The way to do it would be to show us whatever you've built that harkens back to TNG. Um, and there's literally nothing in the trailer that does other than True. the faces of these characters. Right. There's not a single set that looks like TNG. And I'm not saying it needs to all look like TNG because, of course, even within TNG, they went to other places. But there's an aesthetic to that period of time and uh, and it carried into DS9 and Voyager, which I haven't even seen all right, of those series. Right. But the point being, it is an aesthetic for that entire time period. This is only you know 20-something years later um, and it, it would not have changed. It just wouldn't have. I mean, do, do hotel rooms look different than 20 years ago? Does your apartment look different than it did 20 years ago? No, right. I'm sorry. Right, right, That's right. just not how the world works. Um, it may change over 60, 70 years, like the period of time between Kirk and and uh, and Picard. Um, but that's why we have the designers of different bridges and and yeah, there are and and they did a good job in each series to reference back to other aesthetics. They would have older ships occasionally and newer ships occasionally. So uh, all that I'm saying and all of that is those are the reasons that I'm worried. But I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that the aesthetics will come around and that we will see some film familiarity with the aesthetics of the show eventually, um, even if it presents itself just in the Borg ship, because clearly the Borg are a huge part of this new show. And I think that's cool. right. Right. Yeah, I just definitely cool. I just need to see it. Um, I'm very worried. Well, <laughs> I am not sold on it by the trailer either. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I did like um, when Frakes was talking about. You know, this is a more philosophical and this is more thought provoking. You know, the old. He, he gave us some idea. good. Like, we watch Star Wars for the the booms and the excitement. And I love Star Wars. That's my yeah. bread and butter. Right. But it is Star Trek traditionally has been a different thing. Yeah. It really is about making you think and laying yes. out different ideas and concepts that, you know, should challenge human beings. You know what I mean? And, and Absolutely. And kind of reassess things and stuff like that. So I hope that's right. I hope he's right. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. hope it's good. I'm with you. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Um, very, very rarely do I see something anymore that I'm just like, yep, no matter what, that's going to be great. Um, I feel that way about Top Gun, but I'm, I'm, uh, I don't I'm know, excited that about stood that, out right. to me You're right. as being yeah. just so holy. I'll tell like, you what stood out well in the creepiest done. way of all time is, and I see that you've got it written down too, is the Cats trailer. <laughs> uh, let me just say that I went and saw the play Cats as a... 10 year old, 11 year old in New York. In New York. My family yeah, yeah. took a trip. Sure. Um, and I am not a hater on cats. I enjoyed sure. the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, I realize it is weird that this is playing <laughs> out with cats and it could have been anything. What are they um, doing? Yeah. Okay. But I always thought the makeup and stuff and the costumes were kind of incredible for a stage show. And I don't mind them doing that on the screen the same way. What makes it really weird and what makes it feel like <laughs> a 1980s TV movie almost to me that's kind of creepy. Yeah is that they like blow everything else up and have these giant chairs like in a weird dreamscape nightmarescape that these 
people cats are jumping and bouncing around on. Like it's weird that they're walking amongst real cats and then like jumping on a couch. Wait, are there real cats in the So when they're walking trailer? through the alley at the I beginning, gotta watch it again. they're real ones and then it's almost like they become the people cats when they're talking and singing oh. or maybe they're just moving amongst real cats but I they're see. definitely real cats in certain parts in the and same it is universe a weird blend that just does not work like for me when i look at it i'm like this is some creepy <laughs> well shit. It, i do not know what's going I, on i think that uh i think a lot of people would agree with you that it's just totally weird and uh, not and super off-putting but I mean, the people involved and the people making this movie are not just anybody. I mean, this is an insane production I know. from the I best know. people I know. in the in the theater industry, uh, both uh, behind the camera and in front. I don't, so I don't know what to make of that. I think that they, I think there's enough respect of cats that they went, okay, well, if the rights are sold and someone's, you know, a studio is, you know, putting this together. Yeah. And they're going to do it. It better fucking be all these amazing top-notch people because otherwise it'll be really bad. Right. Um, so if you're going to make cats, it's like, okay, this is how you do it. Um, I I don't know what to make of it. I'll see it just because it's inc- incredibly interesting. <laughs> Again, weird looking. Um, yeah, I think I saw I I saw it in IMAX the other day. I hadn't even oh, seen it online. So I, I, I went right into it and I was just like, what the fuck is this? I knew – that it was out this trailer, but uh, right, anyways, right. crazy, crazy, Fair crazy. Um, yeah. So uh, another one that uh, I saw the other day was 1917. Did you see that trailer? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, looks like was, it could be great. I, I'm it's hard to tell. I'm not a big uh, kind of uh, war movie fan. Uh, I tend to stay away from World War II movies. Uh, I don't know. I just don't get much from them. Uh, but uh, this one looks really super well-made and I can't really tell yet, but uh, excellent, excellent trailer. I really um, dig the war flicks and yeah, I think this one looks like it do. could be great too. So yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. Um, the other one I saw that I did not note uh, here is uh, yeah, I didn't write it at all is tenant Christopher Nolan's new movie. Oh yeah. 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 The teaser yeah. for it. Uh, aired before Hobbs and Shaw and that was a kind of a secret Um, that it it, it's just kind of par for the course with uh, with uh, uh, what's his name (laughs) who did I just say Christopher Christopher Nolan Nolan? his movies tend to his trailers tend to come out with this just serious amount of mystery right and we don't really know what this is about but it's starring uh, John David Washington Mm. Denzel Washington's son. Is that his okay. name? John David? I think I, that's I, his name. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in, uh, um, uh, <sighs> what was Spike Lee's movie that just came out? Black Klansman. Thank oh, yeah, Black yeah. Klansman. No, I know yeah, exactly that's, what you're talking about. Another yeah. kid. Um, anyways, he's, uh, it's just a bunch of close ups of him and, um, and some weird kind of abstract shit happens. And it seems to be like maybe a cop movie. Okay. I think Tenet refers to his name. I think he's like, detective or something like that yeah it's it's weird but i don't i don't know that i just that's what i kind of gathered but anyways that uh that was a very interesting trailer 
Um, so yeah. anyways, I don't know. Um, any other uh, uh, trailers that came out that uh, you want to talk about? No, I think that pretty there's, much uh, hits the stuff, stuff that I'm excited about. I mean, the Zombieland double tap trailer was cool. For I'm, sure. I'm yeah. excited about seeing that one. Um, it seems kind yeah, of uh, generic. I don't know. It, it, it didn't. There, was, there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue in that trailer that made me think it would be... Uh, I don't know right. anything significant or better. I just like uh, those characters, and it'll it, be fun. It to will get them back. be absolutely fun. Yeah, right. So. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Um, um, well, I don't know if you got. I mean, I know we're getting close to our uh, our hour yeah, mark. If we, we haven't are. hit it yet, but um, yeah, do you do you happen to have a hidden gem on? Uh, yeah. So the one I wrote down is purely for lack of. Uh, Spending a lot of time thinking about this. This was like yesterday. I was like, yeah, I should really have one ready. Um, do you remember the movie The Stupids? <laughs> yeah, I do. So I do. it's it's something that I our hidden gem recommendation for the yep. week is. Uh, well, it's a it's hidden. I don't yeah. know if it's a gem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fun. It's a hidden it's movie. Um, the Stupids <laughs> is directed by John Landis of Animal House, Blues Brothers, Spies Like Us, Coming to America. He. Um, he directs a lot of great comedy, right? So, um, the stupids is starring Tom Arnold, a bunch of great supporting cast, a lot of kind of character actors. Uh, and then Christopher Lee is in it as the villain. Uh, you know, wow, that's great. Uh, and, uh, it was, I don't know why I didn't write this down, but it was written by Brent Forrester. If you look him up, he has some insanely great TV writing on his resume. Um, things like The Simpsons and, and a lot of other things. Oh, uh, he has just a, a really, really, really top-notch uh, quality uh, writing resume. Um, but uh, I guess the point to all of that is it's not a good movie. It's just <laughs> crazy. Stupid. It's the stupidest movie that has yeah. ever been made. Um, and uh, it has some, I think it has some great physical bits in it that are just bananas uh I, I i i've just never seen comedy like that before or since it i it, it's so weird would you rank it stuck with me above uh coneheads and would you rank it above mom and dad save the world you remember those ones <laughs> so i don't i actually don't think i've seen mom and dad save the world um i've seen coneheads maybe a couple of times but it's been a very long time since i've seen coneheads it's in the same vein but i think the stupids to me has a very um special place my, fair enough my heart well you so, heard it here guys check out, yeah. the check out the stupids for sure <laughs> i think unfortunately i feel like we're gonna have to bump the uh tolkien yeah, conversation to next uh next week i think you're right bear with us guys we'll get to it eventually yeah or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well this is uh this has been a, a gem so the last time we did a podcast we were in your backyard and now we're in Vegas. Now we're in Vegas. And Where are we going to be next time? I brought my all my Kelly? gear with me to Vegas. I don't know. Uh, I think you um, you uh, and I have to find a, a, another fun place to go to Pod, record. Podcast fans, fans of the Movies and Shit podcast, call in, yep. write in, tell Give us, us where you want us to go. Recommendations of to location. To record our next podcast. That's your task. Yeah before our next go around. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, guys. And thanks for uh, leaving us alone and letting us come to Vegas. Yeah, live long ourselves. and prosper. We had a great time. Live long and prosper. There you go. Perfect. Bye. Adios.
There's an old piano and they play it hot behind the green door. Don't know what they're doing, but they laugh a lot behind the green door. Wish they let me in so I could find out what's behind the green door. Hospitality's thin there Wonder just what's going on in there Saw an eyeball peeping through a smoky cloud behind the green door When I said Joe sent me someone laughed out loud behind the green door All I want to do is join the happy crowd behind the green door Thank you. 